has a man open. Touchdown, Justin Blackman. to another edition of Locked On Post. Colby Powell, your host with you as always. Jack Klein joining me on this Friday. I want to remind everybody, head over to BuiltBar.com. Every show in the month of May brought to you by Built Bar. That is BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at LockedOnPokes and hit up our partners at Boone Pickens State on Twitter. Now today, Jack and I, like we talked about last week, we're going to take a deep dive into the 2011 season, but first, a little bit of housekeeping here. Colin Oliver, big time target for Oklahoma State on the defensive side of the ball in the 21 class. Four-star inside linebacker out of Edmond Santa Fe did commit today to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So, Jack joining me now on this Friday. Oklahoma State looks like they've got themselves a good one in Colin Oliver and it's always nice uh, to get a good recruit on that side of the ball because let's be honest, they're a little few and far between uh, four stars coming to Oklahoma State or anywhere else in the Big 12 on defense. So that's a nice get for the Pokes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about it last week too where it's like we've seen to be getting a lot of skilled players on the offensive end and haven't been able to get some of those high-level defensive recruits. And so being able to get a, a four-star linebacker to, to come and play, I think that's that's shown a nice trajectory for hopefully trying to get some more uh, recruiting on that side of the ball to help them uh, stay competitive. Yeah, no doubt about it. So Colin Oliver joining Oklahoma State for the class of 2021. It's been a big day in recruiting. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma's had a really good day. It's been a good day for Oklahoma State with the Colin Oliver commit. Uh, so we'll see if we have any more news to discuss next week when it comes to recruiting. But Jack and I wanted to uh, look back at the 2011 season because we can't do this every week when there's no sports and not go back and relive the 2011 season that was. Jack, I pulled up this schedule, and, and the first thing that I thought, was okay so this for everybody this was our freshman year at Oklahoma State our freshman fall first semester as students at Oklahoma State was this football schedule uh this football season and this was in the old big 12 so Jack the first conference game was at A&M Oklahoma State also played at Missouri this year in conference that was the first thing that stood out to me were the two road games against big 12 teams that are now SEC teams yeah, you know, one of the things I, I really remembered was, uh, you know, actually the, the Thursday night game, uh, whenever they had Arizona come in and they had Nick Foles and everything like that, and they just blew the doors off of them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it is weird looking back at schedules now, realizing that, you know, some of those teams that used to be a part of the conference are just no longer there. And it really wasn't that, I mean, granted, I guess it's like nine years ago, but it's really not, you know, a really long time ago that the conference still had all their members. Yeah, no doubt. Not. I'm looking at uh, the box score for the Oklahoma State-Texas A&M game because that was the first conference game. It was at Texas A&M, and this was a big game for Oklahoma State as like a, a measuring stick. Texas A&M was ranked 8 at the time. Oklahoma State was ranked 7. This is whenever Tannehill was down at, uh, at Texas A&M. You look at the box score, Brandon Whedon was 47 of 60 in this game for 438 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Josh Cooper had 11 for 123. Justin Blackman had 11 for 121. Hubert Anium had 10 for 92. So Oklahoma State had three receivers that day in double figures catches. And I'd be really curious to know how many other times in school history that's happened. I'm going to go ahead and just go out on the and get zero. I mean, that's 32 completions to three different guys. 
Yeah, I wonder how many times, not in school history, but just in NCAA history that that's actually happened. Yeah, that's a really good question. That'd be something to look up. I don't even know how you would look that up. You'd have to have a live sports bureau <laughs> at ESPN to look that up. The 438, by the way, from Whedon, that was only his third. Yeah, that was only his third highest passing total of the season, the 438 <laughs> against Texas A&M. He went for 502 against Kansas State that year, and then he went for 476 in the double overtime loss to Iowa State. We'll get to the double overtime loss to Iowa State. I don't want to jump ahead. You mentioned the Arizona game. So then the, the Tulsa midnight game, did you stay up and watch the Tulsa game that finished at 430 in the morning? Yeah, the one that kept getting postponed. Yeah, postponed and postponed and postponed. And then at some point, we just kind of assumed it was going to be canceled, and it never was. They're just like, hey, if we play in the middle of the night, we play in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was one of those games too. Where I remember my main concern was that this is when Texas A&M was ranked pretty high as well, and it was like, man, my only thought was just don't get anybody injured before the big game at Texas A&M the following week. I remember that was my oh, only thought. Yeah, for, for that fans. was the week before. Because it's like whenever they were playing, you know, they start playing so late, and that it's like, man, just bodies are different, you know, and trying to get re-energized to go after continuous postponements of the game. I mean, like that's or continuous like weather delay, like that stuff's difficult. Yeah, it says here it didn't start until after midnight. And I remember Dion and I were talking about this game a few weeks ago because he was on the team at the time, Dion Amade, who joins me on Wednesdays, and he said that their saving grace was Zach Craig. You remember Zach Craig, the safety for Oklahoma State? Oh, yeah. He said their saving grace was Zach Craig's mom went to, like, Walmart and just loaded up on bread and peanut butter and jelly and came back, and they (laughs) they just made a ton of PB&Js in the locker room. But he said they sat there for five, six hours in the locker room just doing nothing, nothing, just waiting for the game to start, and they didn't even know if they were going to play. They assumed they weren't going to, and then they're like, no, we're going to do it. No, no, wait. Yeah, play, play. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Run, run. Tackle. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was just a a really crazy game for that. And and like I said, that was my main thought process. And then obviously the big game at at Texas A&M. And I think that Texas A&M game, you know, I I think anytime you're going into a schedule and you really like, you know, I I remember that year I was like, man, they're going to be really good. But you have those certain barometer games because, you know, you never really know how good your team is going to be, especially, you know, in Oklahoma State history, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, is this is this the year? I think that whenever they, they beat Texas A&M, I really kind of felt like, okay, they are really loaded to, to be able to, to make a run at it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, thirty to twenty nine was the final over Texas A and M. Oklahoma State trailed twenty to three at halftime. So imagine the Brandon Wheaton, Justin Blackman offense scoring three points and a half. It happened. They scored three points in the first half against Texas A and M, and then Oklahoma State scored twenty one in the third quarter and shut A and M out. So it ended up being twenty four. 20 at the end of three quarters. This was the game where Justin Blackman, Justin Blackman had two weird plays in this game. He had the play where he was going in for a touchdown and he fumbled at like the half yard line and it went, <laughs> yep. and it went out of the end zone for a touchback to touchback. Texas A&M. So obviously that's a huge swing in the game that went against Oklahoma State. And then do you remember how this game ended? The last play of the game? I don't. Oklahoma State was at its own 39 yard line up 30 to 27. And there was like three, maybe four seconds left. Uh, It was fourth down. So you had to run a play. So they put Justin Blackman in the deep shotgun 
snapped the ball to him, direct snapped, and he turned around and ran out the uh, back, ran back of Oklahoma safety. State's own end zone for a safety, and Oklahoma State won 30-29. to 29. Yeah, I remember that one. Now, yeah, you know, what's funny is, is the Justin Blackman play with the touchback, you know, that really was where you thought the poke choke. I mean, like, you inevitably oh. just thought, dude, we can't. Because, I mean, it, it, it's just one of those plays that just stick out because you're just like, you're thinking, okay, we've got a chance. And it's like, you see that happen. You're just like, how do you come back and win when you take seven points off the board? Yeah. You I know what I mean? It just, everyone felt so dejected. I remember just that, that was awful whenever that happened. Uh, let's take a break, come back and keep talking more 2011. We've got some crazy stats to get into. We've got the, uh, the, what you could say, probably start to finish worst day in the history of Oklahoma state athletics took place during the 2011 season. So we've got a lot to get to stay with us here on locked on pokes. Welcome back into Locked on Pokes. Colby Powell, Jack Klein with you on a Friday. Glad everyone is with us. Hope everyone is staying weather aware as we've got some storms rolling in. Uh, so make sure that you know what's going on around you. 2011, Jack, we are breaking it all down. 2011 was, um, it was a great year for Oklahoma State football, obviously. One of the best games, still maybe the best game I've ever attended from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, from a close competitive game and seeing pros on the field might have been Oklahoma State and Kansas State, which was a wild 52-45 to finish. Tyler Lockett, uh, this was the game where Tyler Lockett, so, so Dion actually hit Tyler Lockett in the end zone, lacerated his kidney, and then about half an hour later, Dion was running down on uh, kickoff and tore his ACL. So he injured Tyler Lockett, and then unfortunately his season came to an end. But this was the Colin Klein Kansas State team. Tyler Lockett had 84 rushing yards in this game and a receiving touchdown. And uh, Oklahoma State did Oklahoma State things. 502 yards, four touchdowns for Whedon, two interceptions, 13 catches, 205, and two touchdowns for Justin Blackman, one of the best college receivers of all time. This was also the earthquake night. Jack with Kirk Herbstreit, so <laughs> there was a lot going on. See, that's the one thing that I remember the most sadly is just the post game with, with Kirk Herbstreit, and then it's just like his eyes got all big, and he's just like, uh, I, I think we're having an earthquake, you know? And it's crazy because I think that that was one of the games that, you know, I, I felt like, you know, we talked about that with the Texas A&M one, but I also thought that the Kansas State one for me, which was good teams finding a way to pull out games like that, and he just kind of felt like the, it had the, you just, I don't know, it's like you had like a special sense in the air. You remember that? Oh, yeah. It's oh, like yeah. once was... you got past that one, you're like, okay, we've got to worry about OU because you just didn't see them losing. You know, you kind of felt like, okay, they got that one game that was really close, and then it kind of felt like they were just going to roll until they got to OU. Yeah, and I remember, too, this game was weird because by the eight-minute mark in the first quarter, I'm looking at the scoring summary here. So at the eight-minute mark in the first quarter, Oklahoma State was up 14 to nothing, seven minutes into the game. And you think, okay, here we go. Oklahoma State was number three in the country at the time. Kansas State was number 14 in the country with Colin Klein and Tyler Lockett. So you think, here we go. Oklahoma State's about to route Kansas State up 14 to nothing, seven minutes in. And then Kansas State rips off 24 unanswered. 24 unanswered. Brandon Whedon throws a pick six. Colin Klein rushes for a touchdown. I mean, it was – and then it started to get a little nervous down 24 to 14, and then it was just back and forth. It was just a back and forth game. It was awesome. Oklahoma State so, – so it was a game of runs. Oklahoma State gets up 14 nothing, 
and then it's 24-14 Kansas State, and then Oklahoma State rips off 17 in a row. Now it's 34-24 Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State scores a couple times. Then Oklahoma State, so then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and finally Oklahoma State uh, ends up scoring late in the game, taking a um, a 52-45 to lead and winning the game late in the fourth quarter. I think it's the most fun game I've ever attended. I cannot remember another game where the atmosphere was quite <laughs> like that one. Well, it's weird because you have those games, too, where it's like you're an emotional wreck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like those, yes. you know, that's what's good about sports is that you can't, you can't find anything else like it that really gives you that just complete raw emotion. It's like you really are. I remember that whole game, you know, you think you're going to pull away, and then, oh, no, we're giving it all up. We're going to lose. This is going to happen. They're like, okay, no, no, we're, we're going to win. It's like that back and forth that doesn't always happen. It was it was an unreal event to be at and to really feel, um, you know, what the crowd and the energy was. And it, it just, I don't know, man, it, it's crazy thing about how many unbelievable games there were that year. Uh, yeah, there were a ton of great games that year, and so so the win against Kansas State got Oklahoma State to nine and zero. The following week, they beat Texas Tech sixty six to six in Lubbock to go to ten and zero, and then it's a short week at Iowa State on a Friday night. It was Friday, November eighteenth, and and this was the worst day in the history of Oklahoma State athletics. I, I don't know if you remember the somber mood on campus that day. Obviously, the, the the news of the plane crash hit campus early that morning. I mean, I woke up that morning. I, I think I had some texts, and maybe I got on Twitter and, and saw what had happened. I turned the TV on. It's on ESPN, uh, the Oklahoma State plane crash with, with Coach Budke and, and the few others who were on the plane. And, and I remember thinking to myself, is there still going to be a football game tonight? Like, are we supposed to pretend this didn't happen and, and go play football tonight? I, I I didn't know what was going to happen, but, I mean, that game's scheduled, and that game's on ESPN, and you don't get to tell ESPN, I guess, no. And, and so Oklahoma State ends up playing the game at Iowa State, and nobody really thought anything of it because you won 66-6 to the week before, you're 10-0, and, and you just assume that Oklahoma State's going to steamroll Iowa State, and that's just not – how it happened. Oklahoma State led 17-7 to at halftime, uh, got outscored in the second half, and, and ended up losing in double overtime. And I remember, I, I remember Jack, knowing how big of a game that was, and just on the heels of what had happened earlier that day, that was probably the lowest moment I've ever felt as a sports fan was when Oklahoma State lost that game. Yeah, I think that it was the worst day in Oklahoma sports history. And just, I just remember, like you said, just the, just the emotion, just everything around campus, it just felt, everything was just so somber and sad. And, and, you know, I just remember with how, especially with how Oklahoma state is, and it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we love it and we went there. It's like, it just, it has such a communal feel, you know, it's like, it just has that small town feel. And so it's like, whenever something like that happens in your athletic department, which I mean, I, Oklahoma State's a proud athletic group. I'm proud to have been, you know, to have attended there. And it's really proud and you know, football, basketball, all of its athletics. And so for that to happen, I think it obviously just took everybody by shock and it was just sad. And I remember my own mood was, I, I mean, I couldn't, I had a hard time getting up for the game. You know what I mean? It's like such a big game, you know, one of the best teams in the whole country. 
And it was just like a day that it didn't feel like you should be having something like football. And I, I you know, I know that you're talking about how well, it's an ESPN Friday night game, all of that. And so it's like, I understand the reasons, but it was just like, that's coming from us who we're just fans. I mean, I don't know how those players are supposed to react or those other coaches whenever, you know, they, you know, they have those relationships with the other, with the coaches that were involved in the, in the action. And it's just one of those where I don't know how you get your mind to wrap around something is like football at a time like that. Yeah, I um, it, it was it was awful. And and by the way, just kind of a, a side note here, I had just started. This was Friday, November eighteenth. So my now wife and I started dating. What would have been, I guess, that Monday, November thirteenth. Uh, so <laughs> my wife, I guess, it would have been that Sunday, November thirteenth. My wife and I started dating, and. We're five days into our relationship, and she got to experience the lowest sports moment of my life. And I'm just going to let you know, Jack, I did not handle that loss very well. I, um, I, I threw some things, and we were actually at a friend's dorm on campus, and, and I remember driving back to my dorm to Bennett Hall, and I, I mean, I had to have been doing 60 miles an hour through campus, and, and I was... I was like blackout mad at the end of this game. It, it was just, it, it truly was one of the worst days ever. And that game capped it off. And I, uh, I cannot believe she had the patience to, to stick with me and, and understand that I'm not a lunatic. It was just uh, extenuating circumstances, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I remember it was like I was so mad on so many levels that it was just not even comprehensible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like yes. it just was like that whole day was just it was just terrible. I watched it with uh, with my whole family, and because uh, it was just you know it was one of those where it's like okay, let's just try to find a way to get through this game, and you could just tell like the focus on the team was was not there, and it was a lot of choice words that I had, just a lot of just frustration and I think it was just one of those where you're just like you know I'm not being that fan I'm just being honest where it's like there's different circumstances that impacted the outcome of the game yes absolutely you can't tell me that a team goes from even if you want to say that the team is distracted you don't go from beating a team 66 to 6 to losing Yes, no, not a, especially whenever you're not taking a big step up in competition, which Oklahoma State was not. I, Iowa State uh, was not a good, real good team. Also, I'll say this, Jack: the field goal was good. Quinn Sharp made the field goal at the end of regulation in the game, and they and they said no good. Did. It, the field goal he was absolutely good. Absolutely made it, dude. He absolutely made it. The official on that right pylon, I don't know who he is. I don't know what his name is. He is the reason Oklahoma State does not have a banner for the year 2011. The field goal was yeah, good. That, yeah, and, and, you know, it really was just one of those where, you know, we can talk about this leading in, you know, from one of the worst memories that we've had of OSU football to one of the best, and that was just destroying OU the next week. Yeah, we'll, I think uh, that they would No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that I think that, I mean, I already thought they were going to beat OU that year. I thought that they were just better, but – I absolutely think that that loss just fueled them to just dominate OU the following week yeah. or two weeks later after a bye. I think it did as well. Let's uh, let's take a break, come back. Let's talk about the OU game, the bowl game, and what would have happened if Oklahoma State would have gotten the matchup against LSU in the national title game. That's all coming up next here on Locked on Pokes.
Welcome back in. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes today. You need to head over to BuiltBar.com. Do it right now before you forget. BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On. You receive $10 off your order. They sent a uh, box of, of Built Bars to every host in the Locked On Podcast Network. And my box is gone. Uh, another one's in the mail. I use the promo code Locked On. You should too. $10 off your first order. My favorite flavors, banana nut bread, Brownie Mint Delight. Check them out. Tell me what you think. BuiltBar.com. You've got to check it out. They're sponsoring every show in the month of May across the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, so check out Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On. Receive $10 off your first order. All right. Uh, Jack, like you said, it was a bye the week after the Iowa State game, and that game was played on a Friday night. So not only is it the worst day in Oklahoma State history, but now we get to sit and stew in what took place on that entire front for, for 15 days before Oklahoma State takes the field again against OU. And it was, I mean, it was a slaughter like you almost never see uh, in favor of Oklahoma State in Bedlam. It, it was just an absolute beatdown. Oklahoma State led 10 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, led uh, 20, 24 to 3 at halftime. OU scored a, a meaningless touchdown in the fourth quarter, but it was a 44 to 10 final against an OU team that was, you know, Landry Jones, Roy, Roy Finch, Trey Miller, Blake Bell, Kenny Stills. I mean, there were some good players on that OU team. They were ranked number 14 in the country at the time, and Oklahoma State absolutely obliterated them. Yeah, you know, I think that the thing I remember the most about the buildup is is that I had no idea what was going to happen in the game. Because oh, you just the Iowa told State them, game, I had no idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I had no idea because, you know, obviously it's like whenever those teams, and we see it all the time, and, you know, where teams are undefeated through like eight, nine games, and then once they lose, it's like it just let the air out the bag and they lose, you know, two out of the last three or three out of the last four. And so, you know, coming off the Iowa State one, it, I just had no idea what to expect. It's like in your heart, you're like, okay, come on. Like you still beat OU. You still had one hell of a year and you're going to go to an awesome bowl game. And, you know, I think that just the way that they dominated OU, I, I think that's what got them back into, at least in my eyes, that national championship conversation. And they were the best team that you're like, I don't, <laughs> they just were. I mean, you had Brandon Whedon, you had Blackman, um, you had Julius uh, or Joseph Randall, who we haven't talked about this whole time, but he was a really good back. That team was just so good and so talented that they could have just scored so many points on anybody. And that's not just saying, you know, oh, it was Big 12 teams. I mean, you look at their whole points total for the whole year. They never scored under 30 points the whole year. Yeah, Oklahoma State's offense was was unreal that year. And, you know, the national championship conversation, I remember I remember watching and it was revealed that it was going to be LSU Alabama in the uh in the national championship game. And and I truly remember being shocked and surprised. Oh, oh, Alabama and yeah, LSU had already played, and, and I didn't think that we were going to see the rematch. I really thought that Oklahoma State was going to get the nod, I, I thought that you would be able to look at the fact, look, there was a plane crash. It, it was a, a, a disastrous day. It was overtime. The field goal was good. I mean, there was just a lot that went into Oklahoma State 
not making it. But, you know, you, you look at the LSU team that Oklahoma State would have played in the national title. Because Alabama, of course, ends up beating LSU in the national championship game 21 to nothing. But it, it wouldn't have been, it wasn't between Oklahoma State and Bama. It was between Oklahoma State and LSU because LSU was undefeated 13 and 0, clearly the number one team in the country. So it was between Alabama and Oklahoma State for two and three. I really thought Oklahoma State would get number two. It ended up going to Alabama, and they ended up winning the national title game 21 to nothing. Jack, if you look at LSU's schedule that year, I mean, LSU obviously was a good team, 12-0 in the regular season. LSU could not move the ball enough that they would have been able to keep up with Oklahoma State. They, they just wouldn't have been able to do it. LSU only had two games the entire season where they had a, a, a quarterback throw for 200 yards. They only had three games, pardon me, four games on the entire season where a running back got to 100 yards and four games on the season where a receiver got to 100 yards. And let's keep in mind, they had Odell Beckham Jr. on that team. Four times that year, they had a receiver get to 100 yards. They wouldn't have been able to keep up. Oklahoma State, had they gotten the nod over Bama, would have beaten LSU and would have been the national championships. I, I have no no doubt about it. Well, you're forgetting the other receiver that they had. No, they didn't have anybody else good. They also had Jarvis Landry. It's funny that those two are like really like really good NFL players. Um, but no, I mean, those guys were both just freshmen that year. You know what's funny? So after, after OSU just dismantled OU. I really thought, okay, man, I thought the exact same thing that, that you're saying, which is, all right, we can kind of write off this other loss that really shouldn't have been a loss. Even like, and I really thought more about like, okay, OSU really won that game. Even after all the other stuff, that field goal should have been good. They literally should have won the game. And, you know, I was, I was actually really happy whenever the national championship turned out to be the way it was, which was, it didn't seem like hardly anybody watched it. <laughs> and obviously everyone's like, we're tired of watching this rematch. And, you know, it, it was just, I remember just being so upset where I was like, man, they're not even letting him compete. And I think that it got to the point where it was, you know, an Alabama versus LSU. They wanted the big name programs. Cause there's, there's no way that if you, take the state off of Oklahoma and that's Oklahoma in there and not Oklahoma state that, that they don't pass them up. Yep. It was the logo on the helmet. There's no doubt about it. So that left Oklahoma state in the Fiesta bowl against Stanford, Andrew Luck, Stanford team. And that game was an absolute blast to watch 41 to 38 Oklahoma state wins in overtime. And Justin Blackman went nuts, eight catches, 186 yards and three touchdowns. Justin Blackman on the season that year. It's one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a receiver in college. 121 catches, 1,522 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Whedon threw for 47, 27, 37 touchdowns, only 13 picks. It was, I mean, everything came together so perfect, save one Friday night in Ames, Iowa. And uh, it, it was all capped off by beating Stanford in the Fiesta Bowl, which, you know, obviously is not a, a national championship by any means, but it, it was nice for Oklahoma State to get that win because you would have hated to not get into the national championship game and lose the Fiesta Bowl and make everyone feel like they were right. Yeah, for sure. I think that they felt like they had something to prove. And I think that it actually ended up being, um, you know, the best situation outside of being able to compete for a championship because that was one heck of a game. It was really inter like super entertaining and you also think that they had Andrew Luck that was going to be the number one overall pick in the game, too. Like, it was just oh, a yeah. very and competitive... And he was a foregone conclusion for the number one pick, and everybody knew it. Absolutely. I think that that was where it was just more fun. I remember them icing their own kicker. Do you remember that? 
I do remember them icing their own kicker. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? But, and then Colt you know, Shelf gets stopped at like the foot line, which by the way, <laughs> I was pissed about because this was, I think this might've been the first, I'm a degenerate now, but I think this game might've been the first sports bet that I ever placed. I like had a buddy in Vegas or something told me to send him something. I said, give me Oklahoma state minus the three and a half and Colton shelf. They, it was ruled the touchdown. They go back and review it. He's down at like the half yard line. And then Oklahoma state sets up a 22 yard field goal. Just go in for the score and the cover. Oh, I was so <laughs> mad. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that that game and that whole season just started your gambling addiction. Uh, yes. I don't know if addiction is the right word. I just love doing it and I, and I, I really can't stop, but I don't know if I would use the word addiction. Okay. Not like the Michael Jordan gambling addiction. No, definitely not like the Michael Jordan gambling addiction. Yes. You know, one thing I do want to touch on though, too, because we had this conversation that year and I don't know if, you know, I know people probably haven't thought about it in a while, but I really thought that Blackman was just as good as Des Bryant coming out, and he could have been a better pro player than him. Like, that's how insane his year was. But I just remember being him like, okay, yeah, he's just a lock to be an elite NFL receiver for 10 years. Uh, yes, he was. And, and he, if, he, if he could have kept his head on straight, he was. Um, and I honestly, I thought Brandon Whedon was that guy too. I thought Brandon Whedon was going to be a stud at the next level. And, and for whatever reason, you know, things happen. He went to Cleveland. It was a dysfunctional organization. Things never went right. You know, Cleveland couldn't make it work. He couldn't make it work. But it really is unfortunate whenever you look at the yeah. the NFL careers that weren't of Brandon Whedon, Joseph Randall, and Justin Blackman. I mean, that's the, the best three-headed monster Oklahoma State's probably ever had. And, um, you, you know, for one reason or another, none of those guys turned into stars at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I think Whedon, I mean, he's probably the best quarterback Oklahoma six ever had, right? Yes, yes. And so, like, I just remember that whole year, it's like he's just so deadly accurate. He had just such a cannon. I mean, just an unbelievable talent. I mean, he could just, his arm strength and his accuracy was just next level. And, you know, that's one of the sad things, too, about the draft is, He's one of those guys where if he went to the right situation, are we sure he didn't have a good, solid NFL career for at least seven, eight years? You're saying if he goes and anywhere sure in the NFL that's not Cleveland? I honestly believe that. You know, I think that Cleveland has just always been such a dysfunctional organization. And I felt like, you know, he was so talented that if he could have gone somewhere else, he really could have had. I think a really, really solid NFL career. And you couldn't tell me he couldn't have at least like a Fitzpatrick type career where he could have been this at least a Tannehill type career. Remember, we're not talking about a team from 30 years ago. Ryan Tannehill started the AFC championship game last year. And that's a guy, Brandon Whedon on on the other side of the field in 2011 made look like he he shouldn't have even been on the same field as Brandon Whedon. So, I mean, a, a lot of it is, Definitely opportunity can dictate success, especially in the NFL. Uh, We are out of time. That was a great conversation today about the 2011 team. Uh, We'll have to find another season that's just as much fun to talk about next week. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a more fun season than 2011. Probably not. I will say this. I did watch a 55-second highlight film of uh, Barry Sanders on Twitter earlier today, and I watched that Mm -hmm. 55-second highlight film for about 20 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> just had it on repeat yes we should and that's the thing with a podcast we can't do Barry justice 
because, you know, obviously if we could add video, we could do Barry justice. Can't do him justice just talking about it, but uh, we'll, we'll find somewhere to go next week. Jack, enjoyed it. We'll do it again. All right. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. That's Jack Klein. Joins me every Friday on Locked on Pokes. Hope you all enjoyed us reminiscing about the season that was in 2011. Hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Follow our partners Boone Pickens State on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked on for $10 off your first order. It is time for me to call it a day. Everyone have a great weekend. More Locked on Pokes next week.